And we began a new series of messages today entitled, Let's Get Out of Here. Amen. Let's get out of here, talking about the wilderness experience. And we want to pray that God will speak into our lives. Somebody in here is on their way someplace. Amen. Amen. Somebody's stuck in a rut, but somebody has decided I'm not staying stuck. I'm on my way somewhere. Amen. And by the grace of God, I'm going to make it there. Amen. So in the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how to get out of the wilderness, what you need to do in the wilderness experience in order to come out victorious. Amen. Today we want to talk about, today's message is entitled, Get Organized. <clears throat> get Organized. Look at your neighbor, if you will, because they didn't know that they were going to get a word today like this. Tell them to get organized. You get organized. <laughs> Amen. And somebody who you just told that, they don't want to admit it, but that's, that's already a word from the Lord. That's, all, that's, that's, that's the word right there. Get Organized. Get Organized. Get organized. Get organized. 759, 801, 811, and 814. These were the times that four planes, American Airlines Flight 11, United Airlines Flight 93, American Airlines Flight 77, and United Airlines Flight 175 departed. Two flights from Boston to Los Angeles, one from Newark to San Francisco, and one from Washington, D.C. to L.A. And for several weeks after they departed, the untimely and the unpredictable experience that happened 10 years ago, for the next several weeks and months, and even now, America and families have tried to manage the chaos. And by chaos, I mean what was an orderly and predictable situation became very disorderly and unpredictable. Mothers had to handle families alone. Husbands who were used to coming home to a cooked meal suddenly found themselves cooked cleaner and the constant and consistent comfort to motherless children. New York, which was the epicenter of all of that tragedy, uh, but the nation and a great deal of the world had to overcome the disorder that was created by the destructive intentions of the terrorists on September 11, 2001. And so in a situation like 9-11, when you're dealing with that firsthand, all of us understand questions like, where are my keys? Has anyone seen my wallet? Did you pay the light bill? Whose turn is it to take the kids to the swimming lessons? In light of a situation like 9-11, we understand things being left undone because the magnitude of the tragedy did not just destroy life, but it also created disorder. Whenever there is disorder, there's only one remedy. There's really, ultimately, only one remedy for disorder, and that is organization getting organized, no matter what it takes, no matter how hard it might be, at some point, some way, somehow, you have to get organized again. 
Organization, organization. What is it? Organization is this organization. You can write this down. Organization is the necessary. Somebody say necessary. Some of us are living like we don't need to be organized, but yes, you do. Organization is the necessary process for advancement. You can never make it as far as God wants you to go if you continue to function in a disorderly way. Organization, simply put, is defined as the right things in the right place at the right time. If the wrong thing is in the right place, you need to get organized. If the right thing is in the wrong place, you need to get organized. If the right things are in the right place at the wrong time, you just might need to think about becoming more organized. Many times our blessings are forfeited not by unrighteousness, but by our own lack of organization. Y'all are quiet on me, but I know I'm right. Lateness, tardiness, a lack of punctuality, CP time usually points to a lack of organization. Unpaid bills, children unsupervised, spouse unattended to usually points to a lack of organization. No Bible reading, no prayer life, no serving in church, no fellowship with other believers, no tithes, no offerings. It's not always an act of rebellion. Sometimes it is a lack of organization in our lives. And sometimes it is simply uh, not a bad person, but it is a person who has not managed the chaos. And we simply need to get organized. And we notice in this text that the first thing that God tells Moses to do once they are traveling through the wilderness. Somebody say wilderness. First thing that God tells Moses to do when they left Egypt and he's building community in the wilderness, the first thing that he tells them to do is to get organized. Now, before we talk about organization, let me talk about the wilderness. The wilderness is an in-between place. The wilderness is the place where you have to go, but you don't want to go. I wish I had somebody in here who'd help me with this sermon. The wilderness is the place where you have to travel through, and sometimes you have to camp out there, but you'd rather not be there. Have you ever been in a place that you had to be in the place, but you wish you were not in that place, but you knew that there was purpose in that place, and in that place God was doing something in your life, and if it didn't allow God to do what he was doing for you and in you in that place, you would not be prepared for the promised land that he had already prepared for you. Therefore, what I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, that God wants to do something. In other words, God knew that the children of Israel weren't ready. He had already promised. He'd already prepared it. But he saw from the Gideon that they were not ready. Therefore, he put them on a 40-year journey, what would normally take 40 days. He took them on a 40-year journey in order to do a work in them in the wilderness. The wilderness is a prerequisite to the promised land. And I know sometimes we watch people who are successful. We, I, I've, I've seen people uh, we, we make an announcement and say we're glad to congratulate 
brother and sister uh, so-and-so who are present with us today, and they've been married for 60 years. And anytime you announce that somebody's been married for 40, 50, or 60 years, everybody sort of spontaneously applauds and claps. Amen. Because anybody in their right mind know that if you can make it 40 or 50 or 60 years, you ought to give that group a standing ovation. Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. So we, we applaud the successful uh, execution of the marriage vows. But every happy marriage has a wilderness story. Every successful business, as we look and we admire those successful, successful businessmen and women, but every successful businessman and businesswoman has a wilderness story. Every successful athlete has a wilderness story. And every spirit-filled child of God who's learned how to walk with God and pray and trust God seems to be spiritually mature and strong in their faith and in the power of his might. Every strong Christian has a wilderness story. In other words, we cannot get where God wants us to go without traveling through territory that we do not want to be. And if you find yourself in the wilderness, are y'all still here? The only way out of the wilderness is to want to get out. Y'all not feeling that. The only way to get out of the wilderness is that you have to really want to get out. I'll tell you one thing that's deceptive about the wilderness. It's easy to get comfortable in the wilderness. You have to want to get out the wilderness because no one accidentally leaves the wilderness. A wilderness is an experience that will take hold of you and take hold of your spirit. And you have to be determined that this place is not for me. Other people may be comfortable. Other people may like it. They may pitch their tent and camp out in there. But you have to say in your mind and in your spirit, this might be all right for you. But this place is not for me. God does not intend for, and it doesn't matter how long you stay, God does not intend for you to become comfortable in the wilderness when he has promised you a promised land. I want to say something about this. Wanting to be out is not out. Planning to get out is not out. Praying to be out is not out. Confessing that I'm out is not out. The only thing that proves you're out of the wilderness is that you are not in the wilderness any longer. Out is out. And the only thing that the wilderness is is a place of temporary preparation for the promise that God has prepared for you. Now, I want to say this about the wilderness. There's one unique thing about the wilderness is that whatever wilderness you're going through, you're not going through it by yourself. There's somebody else in the wilderness that's going through the exact same thing. I wish somebody would say amen that I'm going through in the wilderness. There are other people in the wilderness dealing with the exact same thing that we're dealing with besides us. 
So let me just say this before we get to the meat of this message today. If, if, if you are dealing with alcohol issues, if you are drunk, amen, if you are depressed or disturbed or disillusioned or despondent or your life is in disarray and you're in a wilderness, I just want you to know the truth is you're not the only one that's drinking. You're not the only one that's despondent. You're not the only one that's disillusioned. There's somebody else in the wilderness whose situation is just like yours. And this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. You got to forget about that. I'm the only one going through this. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm out here by myself. I'm all alone. You got you to rebuke that. You got to say the devil is a liar. And this is what you got to do. You need to find somebody in the wilderness with a Bible and a praise and a determination. They're not perfect. They're dealing with it too. They gotta, but they got a Bible and they got a praise and they'll still talk to God. You got to find somebody. Somebody is there. You find them, and you look at them straight in the eye, and you say, let's get out of here. And this text is about God preparing the children of Israel not to stay in the wilderness, but to depart from it. And the first thing God tells Moses is to get organized. Look at the text. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, and he said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans, their families, listing every man by name one by one. Get organized. In other words, Moses was the spiritual leader for your worksheet. Moses was the spiritual leader of the nation. If your life is not in order, you must submit yourself to leadership. Don't be quiet on me. If your spiritual life is not in order, you must submit yourself to spiritual leadership. Submission means this. I trust the leadership that is over me. Submission means this. I obey the leadership that is over me. Uh, submission means this. I follow the leadership that is over me. As a matter of fact, you may even know more Bible verses. You may have been a Christian longer, but, but if you submit yourself, you're willing to, to yield your autonomy and authority to the person that God has placed in your life as your leader. No one gets out of a spiritual wilderness without submitting to spiritual leadership. Secondly, spiritual leaders need substantial time along with God. Your spiritual leader, your spiritual leader may not be your social peer. They may not go bowling with you. They may not play spades with you. They, they may not go to the movies with you. Because, and as a matter of fact, you probably really don't want them to go bowling with you, to play spades with you, because your spiritual leader, if they're going to deposit something in your life through preaching and teaching and modeling, he or she is going to need not a bowling ball and not a, a, a deuce of spades and, and two jokers and a, and, and a deuce of diamond. What they're going to need, they're going to need to hear from God on your behalf. Can I get some help here? In other words, they have to spend time with God so that God might speak to them so that the words that they speak to you might be the words that empower you to get out of the wilderness that God has you going through. You see, Moses was not great because he spoke. Moses was great because God spoke to him and through him. God instructed Moses to spend a great deal of time in what was called the tent of meeting. In other words, 
if Moses met with God in private, God would deliver to him a word that would lead the children of Israel out of a wilderness. And we need spiritual leadership to guide us out of spiritual wilderness. You know what's wrong with some of us in here today? It's not the fact that we don't have a car or the job that we want or the house that we want, but some of us are in a spiritual wilderness. Some of us cannot remember the last time we had a personal devotional life with God. Some of us cannot remember the, the last time we went seven consecutive days without missing our prayer time with God. Some of us in here, it's not a job, it's not a man, it's not a better family. Some of us simply are in a spiritual wilderness where we are disconnected from the God who loves us and provides for us. And in those times, my brothers and sisters, as Amos said, we need to hear a word from the Lord. The man of God for your worksheet, the man of God or woman of God must declare the power of God in the wilderness or in the desert. The man of God the woman of God must declare the power of God in the desert, in the wilderness, in the place that I don't want to be, but I am here now. And before I get to where God has promised, I need to hear about the power of God. Man of God must declare the power of God in your situation. Must, he must take inventory of reality without giving power to reality. Y'all not feeling that? Reality is never the problem. Are y'all with me? Reality is never the problem, nor is reality the answer. For the three Hebrew boys, this is what reality looked like. The king was the problem. Looked like the fire was the problem. Looked like the fiery furnace was the problem. But the three Hebrew boys did not see it like that. What they said, they said, King, I understand what you said. I understand that temperature rises when you, when you put certain elements in that furnace. Say, I understand that we are vulnerable to the effects of fire. But, but King, may I have a word before you issue your final decree? Say, King, we want you to know this, uh, um, that we will not be bowing down even though you play the music. That's the reality. The music is playing. We're supposed to bow but we're not going to comply with reality. We are not going to bow down. Furthermore, King, we want you to know that the God that we serve is able. If you put us in the furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace. King, I know you've never seen it before. I know it's not in your library, but I just want you to know that the God that we serve is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. Yeah, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able, he's able. You say, I know it's not realistic. I know it doesn't make any sense, but somebody shout out, he's able. And then they said this. So Kimba, I want you to know this also, that even, somebody say even. Say, even if he does not, yeah, it's a whole lot of folk not in church today because God did not. Uh, there's a whole lot of folks that stopped praying because God did not. A whole lot of folks that have stopped living holy because God did not. But the boy said even if he does not, doesn't make no difference to us. He's big enough and bad enough to do whatever it is he wants to do. And I will go along with whatever he does. If my reality does not match up with his ability, 
I'm still sticking with him. And the man of God has to speak the power of God in the midst of our realities. See, here it is. If God doesn't get you out of the fire, he wants to use the fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't deliver you. He wants to use it either to perfect you or as an object of praise to himself. God commanded Moses, take a census of the whole Israelite community by the clans. Get organized. Families, listing every man, woman, name by name. Look at the details. Get organized. Let me give you some principles of organization. Obey the seemingly irrelevant, irrelevant commands of the Lord. Doesn't seem to make sense. Doesn't, can't figure out why I got to do this. Why I got to do this. Why, why, why I got to do this. What difference does this make? Obey the seemingly irrelevant command. It may not make sense now, but it will make sense later. Will somebody say amen? I want to say to parents, don't you give up on training your children. They may be walking around, their lips tight, mad, call themselves protesting. But right now, what does not make the sense to them right now will make you keep on teaching and preaching and modeling, amen, and praying, amen, and hold your position. What may not make sense right now will make sense. Somebody say later. Make sense later. Secondly, organize your primary. Somebody say primary. There's some things that are secondary or tertiary are not as important as other things. Organize your primary. Somebody say Primary. Organize your primary. In other words, keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Organize your primary responsibilities that God is calling you to. Now, there are some things that will be left undone, but make sure they're the minor stuff. You see, the problem in your life is never when minor things are organized. It's always when major things are disorganized. Listen, consistent Bible study, prayer time, devotional life, tithes, offerings, witnessing requires some organization in your life. A consistent prayer life means that you are organized. The best way to be organized, this is what it means, doing the right things, the right time, the right place. There's some consistency and predictability in your life. Chaos occurs when you get to it, when you get to it. Y'all not feeling me? Consistent giving requires organization. One of the reasons many of us can't give is because our money is disorganized. You need to organize Ben Franklin. You need to organize uh, Andrew Jackson. Amen. You need, you need to organize Thomas Jefferson. You need, you need to get them in order. 
And when you organize them Benjamins, I wish I had some help. You organize them. And you, in other words, Benjamin stop telling you what to do. And you start telling Benjamin what to do and where to go and how long he's going to stay. You will find that Benjamin will get in order and get in line. Offer. Others, the opportunity to join the spiritual journey. Do not travel alone. Always be in the mindset of inviting somebody else to be a part of what you're doing. Somebody say amen. amen. Only, and I think your worship says a God appointed, but I, I want to say a God anointed. Number two will be comfortable being number two. I want to talk about this a little bit because this is one of the reasons, one of the issues of disorganization in our life. You see, the reason many of us are still in the wilderness is because we have not accepted our role in the whole process that God has us in, in the organizational process, in our life cycle. It is critical in this text that Moses not try to be Aaron and Aaron not try to be Moses. God has assigned both a, a task to do in the wilderness. But, uh, but, but when you look at both Aaron and Moses, the only person that has successfully left slavery and survived in the wilderness is Moses. Are you with me? And so Aaron's path out of the wilderness was to follow Moses and support Moses. Now I want to show you something because I want you to be comfortable if God has you in a secondary position. Y'all not feeling this, are you right? And I know, I know what America teaches you. I know America teaches you that the only position to, to, to covet and to have is number one. I know it says that you got to be number one. But I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you that there is some power in some other numbers too. Oh, yes, there is. You don't always have to be number one. You see, look at what happens here. You see, see Moses, when Moses was in the wilderness out there keeping his father-in-law's sheep, God appeared to him in a burning bush and he told Moses said I'm going to go and check it out to see what's going on why the bush is burning but it is not being consumed he went over there and he looked at the bush and God's voice came and said Moses don't you come any closer because the place that you are standing is holy ground he said Moses Moses this bush burning is not about you this ain't no science project this is not something for you to write in a journal and get some kind of award he said the reason the bush is burning because I have heard the cries of my children in Israel and I am going to deliver them. I want you to pack up, send in, send in your resignation, and I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to release my people, to let them go. Notice, 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 notice God is putting Moses in the primary number one position, putting him in a place where he's going to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. When we get to the fourth chapter, uh, it says this, then uh, say to Pharaoh, he's telling Moses, this is what I want you to say. He said, then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn, and I told you, let my son go, referring to Israel, that he may worship me. It, it, well, you see, getting out is one thing, but the reason that you're going out 
is more important, I would say, is, is more important than getting out. You see, that's why some folks can't stay out of prison. Some folks can't stay out of jail. Some folks can't stay off drugs. Some folks can't stay right because they have not captured a reason that is important enough for them to guide their life. But if you ever tag in, tie in, and connect to a reason that is bigger than the release, some of us just want to be delivered, but we don't have a reason. Nothing pressing us, nothing waiting for me, nothing depending on me. And God said, tell Pharaoh the reason that he must let them go is because their future, their prosperity, their healing, their delivery, everything is relying on them worshiping me. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. So Moses is the top dog, right? And so he, he's the leader. And I told you that when you submit to the place that God has designed for you in your life, that God would honor your submissiveness. Pastors must submit to God. Wives must submit to their husband. Children must submit to uh, their parents. Amen? Uh, students must submit to their teachers. Teachers submit to their principles. Aaron had to submit to Moses. But look what God did. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn and I told you, let my son go that he may worship me. Check this out. God brought the slaves out of Egypt to worship him. Am I right about that? Worship was the most important aspect of the children of Israel. As a matter of fact, when we think of the children of Israel, we think of them as a worshiping community, a community that believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a, God, a community that believed in honoring God. Now, I want you to check this out. Now, Moses was number one. But look at who God places over the most important aspect of the community. Look at who God places over the worship aspect, not Moses, but it was Aaron and his, it was number two and his descendants that God particularly and specifically picked out to lead the whole worship aspect of the community. Let me just say this while I'm here. Some of us got to stop hating where we are and stop coveting where somebody else is because God is trying to get you in a place and use you sometimes from a secondary position to make the greatest difference. You see, when Israel got ready to do something great, it wasn't Moses' oratory. It was the worship of the people. Sometimes all they did, never pulled a trigger, never shot an arrow. They just worshiped God. And God gave them victory. Let's, let's finish this up. Let's finish this up. You got to get organized. Tell your neighbor again. You got to get organized. When you're getting organized, the process for organization is based on a principle of restriction. The Lord restricts. When you're getting organized, there will be some restriction. Y'all got to like this now. I know you want to do what you want to do. Will you never be organized until you embrace the restriction? Look at verse 47. This is the same chapter. The families of, the, of Levi, however, were not counted among the others. You got to be comfortable not being counted. 
among the others. Somebody need to feel that. That was a word for somebody. You got to be comfortable not being in the group, not being in the mainstream. Yeah, not kicking it with everybody, not chilling with everybody, not rolling with the homies. You got to be, you got to be comfortable being different. It says that Levi is not to be counted along with the others. And the Lord said to Moses, you must not count the tribe of Levi or include them. You got to be comfortable being excluded. I'm talking to somebody. You got to be comfortable, sisters. Ain't got no man. Everybody else got a man. But if you got holiness and the righteousness written on your breastplate, it may not be no man right now who is qualified <laughs> to roll with you. Ah, yeah. You got to be comfortable with your arms being all by themselves and nobody holding your hand. You got to be comfortable being excluded. Be comfortable. Be comfortable being excluded. And brethren, you got to be comfortable being excluded. Let them say whatever they want to say about you. Oh, man, you're not hitting that? You ain't hitting that, man? What's wrong? You must be funny. Well, it might be funny today, but in about 10 or 12 years, come check me out. Yeah, come check me out in about 10 or 12 years. What looks like a joke right now, you're going to come and ask me, how did you manage? got to be comfortable. The Lord restricts not to punish us, but to keep us in a position to receive his blessing. Are you with me? The Lord restricts. The Lord restricts. Next, look at this about the Levites. The Levites were chosen for sacred purposes. So separate yourself. You are chosen. Don't let nobody fool you. Don't let nobody talk you out of it. Don't let the commercials, don't let the videos, don't let the television shows, don't let the folk on your job, don't let your own feelings talk you out of who you are in God. Secondly, the Lord uses the wilderness to teach us. Learn the lessons. Yeah, the wilderness has a purpose. The wilderness has a purpose. I'm going through what I'm going through because this is Perseverance 101. I'm going through what I'm going through because this is faith development one-on-one. I'm going through what I'm going through because this is prayer, prayer class 101. The reason I'm going through what I'm going through is because I'm going to have some bigger fish to fry. Ah, hallelujah. Ah, yeah. I wish there was, oh, yes, indeed. In In other words, if I cannot deal with the complexities of the wilderness. I will never be successful once I get to the promised land. And the Lord uses departure to prevent idolatry. 
what am I trying to say? Is that in getting organized, God keeps on creating chaos so that we'll have to reorganize. As soon as you get comfortable with something, it seems like God will come and cause something to happen. I wish I had somebody knew what I was talking about. Seems like it looks like everything getting ready to settle down. We're getting ready to roll now. God will step in. It ain't the devil. It's not your lack of skill all the time. Sometimes God steps in, and the thing you thought was going to be your ticket out, God said, oh, 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 no, 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 no. Whenever you start thinking that something else is your ticket other than God, God will remove it, or he will change it so that we won't worship it. Worship God only. In other words, God will take away from us whatever we love more than we love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to take it away. And when he takes it away, it is a symbol to us to reorganize our life and our priorities again. Yeah. 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 Stand to your feet, if you will. Stand to your feet.